at Jared. We know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. Welcome to an emergency podcast of the Bronx Beat podcast presented by BP Bronx. We have an issue. Andrew McCutcheon has been traded for. He is now a Yankee. He will be starting in pinstripes hopefully tomorrow, Saturday. To discuss this development, I am joined by Mr. Devin Foster. Hey, guys. How's it going? And Scott Moss. Hey, if only they made this trade for 2012, Andrew McCutcheon. That would be wonderful. That Scott also made that joke the last time that we recorded this because this is the second time we're attempting to record this episode. Uh, I think it's this is this is interesting news. This is this is a this is a big deal. This is emergency podcast worthy. So Devin, I want to get your reaction. Good trade, bad trade, trade that ultimately won't make a difference. What 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 do you think here? Um, I would like I would say it's a good trade. Um, originally, I was, when I was looking at Andrew McCutcheon before we even traded him or traded for him. I thought his contract was going to be too high, but, as lo- but it looks like that's not going to be a problem or that's not going to affect us too much. Um, I think we're splitting it with San Francisco. So, I mean, yeah, he's not going to be Andrew McCutcheon of old. He's declining this year, but he's still, you know, doing pretty well, and I, I think it's a good move. Uh, would have liked it earlier, but maybe this is now, you know, teams get desperate, so this is the time we can get him. And, I mean, I guess it's bad news for Judge that he may not be coming back as soon as we hoped, but we kind of knew that, so... Overall, I'll say it's good news, and it's certainly interesting, and I'm glad they did it. All right, so Scott, how good is Andrew McCutcheon? I think it's pretty good. You rarely get difference makers this late in the season. Normally, after the trade deadline, you get has-beens, overpaid guys, whatnot. And sure, maybe McCutcheon's a little bit of both, but I think he has gotten more criticism for the famous fall he took by his late 20s than he deserves. I mean, sure, he's not exactly the same hitter he was, and he definitely lost a lot of defensive capability, but the guy's remained an above-average hitter for the past several years, pretty consistently, actually, and his defensive decline was mainly because they kept trotting... All right, so we might just have left Scott. Devin, you still there? Yeah. All right, we're gonna we're gonna go on and hopefully we can get Scott kind of back here uh, and and uh, just gonna roll the with, roll with it for this emergency podcast. Uh, so Devin, I want to know like, is the Yankees they they could have made a lot of different moves here. They could have moved for Curtis Granderson. They could have traded for Josh Donaldson. Just got traded to the Indians. Is McCutcheon the best player they could have acquired, or would you rather have Joe Gonzalez, Josh Donaldson, etc.? Um, I was originally in the Curtis Granderson camp because he's a lefty, and we don't have a lot of those, especially now that Bird is kind of slumping and Gardner's kind of slumping. And I thought he would kind of be like the quick fix, and he's played for the Yankees before, and so he knows Yankee Stadium. That's what we'll, always what I was thinking we're going to target. But, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see how this turns out. I think that this is a, like a little bit more than what we needed to do to, uh, you know, I, I was kind of thinking this trade was like a, 
a quick fix for the rest of the season, hopefully not postseason, but I think he might be an impact enough player that it'll make a difference, but um, we'll see how it goes postseason and, and next year because I think this might be the type of player that we want to keep on the roster. Yeah, I think the difference between him and Granderson is, uh, one, Granderson's a left-handed hitter, which I think would be nice, but uh, is relatively low priority. Granderson just can't play the field anymore. I know he, he can he can literally sit in, in right or left field and like not you know, and not embarrass himself, but he is a well below average player at both of those positions and is essentially a replacement player when he's playing the field. He might be a decent option at DH, but McCutcheon's just about as good at DH and you know, he could actually, if he had to, hold down right or left field for you know, for long periods of time in the playoffs. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right on that. And um, the other thing I was gonna say is that the DH position, I mean, that's not really what, what you wanted him for anyway. And uh, But, yeah, no, if he can do the same amount of production and, yeah, I mean, if he's just, if he's just a better hitter, it doesn't really matter if he's lefty or righty, which is, you know, it's a point. Yeah, so I'd like to highlight some other numbers here. So um, one thing is that, you know, his headline triple slash line doesn't look great. 255, 357, 415. But I think there's like a couple of wrinkles in there. The first is that he's in San Francisco, right? One of the, one of the big pitchers par- parts in the game. And, you know, you, you would expect, especially a declining player who whose power was always kind of like fence power. It wasn't, always, it wasn't, you know, you know, John Carlos Stanton or Glaber Torres this week uh, power. Um, and, you know, so you kind of you kind of expected that to decline kind of hard when you put him in that terrible hitting environment. Um, and the other thing is that his expected uh, numbers, so his stat cast numbers are actually a little bit better. Um, they, they actually suggest that he's. Um, He's actually maybe, you know, has basically been the same player that he's been, he, he was last year. Uh, so StatCast, right, they put, they put out their ex-WOBA number. They, they estimate, based on his quality of contact, that he's a 364 WOBA player uh, this year. He's a 340 WOBA player in reality. So he was above average in reality. They actually say that he's well above average or has put up well above average contact. Um, which is almost exactly the rate that he put up in twenty in twenty seventeen. So they think that he's basically the same player he was last year. And at thirty one, like it seems plausible that you know he's going to come out of that hitting environment, come into Yankee Stadium, and hit some home runs. I think, right? I mean, I, I kind of expect him to be that that you know two seventy nine, three sixty three, four eighty six player going forward. Yeah, I don't have the, uh, all the stats right in front of me, but I think he's around sixteen home runs, and that was good for like one of the. He might have led or been close to leading um, the Giants in home oh, runs. Really? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure. So it was something like that. But point being is that uh, even if he didn't have a ton of power, I mean, we have a lot of power on the team already. But yeah, I think that being at Yankee Stadium, which is definitely a hitter-friendly park compared to you know the complete opposite with San Francisco, and also being in the American League and all that. So. Oh man, they, they, I'm looking at the San Francisco stats right now, and they are horrible. Wow. He leads the team in fifth with 15 home runs. Second is Brandon Belt with 14. Longoria, 14. Gorky's Hernandez, 13. Brandon Crawford, 12. No one else above 10. Best. So like, like you said, I mean, the team isn't doing so well anyway, but I guess it also might show that, you know, it's not a very hitter-friendly park if he's leading the team with 15 home runs. It's also just one of those dysfunctional teams that I just don't trust them to be good at, like, managing players the way that a team like the Yankees, I think, are. So I wouldn't be shocked if you actually get a big bump up in his performance kind of kind of going forward. Um, so that's that's interesting. Now, the Yankees didn't give up much to get him. They basically just gave up money. They gave up 
uh, A.B. Atal, Avelino, who's a nobody. He's not even like a Billy McKinney, Billy McKinney nobody. He's like a peaked in high A nobody. Um, and uh, they, they gave one other, one other like lower lit down prospect, Juan DePaulo, who I've never heard of. So not a lot went that way in return. Um, so it's interesting that the Yankees were willing to take on that salary, and, and, and but no other team was. And so I, I don't think there's really a lot going on there. The Yankees basically were able to just trade for McCutcheon for free. Uh, my question, though, is this feels like it portends bad things for Aaron Judge. So Aaron Judge is still working on the wrist injury. He has not yet begun swinging baseballs. He reported to have some pain about a week or a week or two ago. Uh, do you think this is a sign that the Aaron Judge injury is very serious? Um, well, yes. I, I'm not sure if I would say very serious, but it's serious enough that um, I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see him in the regular season again. Because at this point, if he's already missed five weeks um, and he would be back in a week or two, then you kind of just bite the bullet. You didn't make a trade, and you know you, you go on for another week or two because you got TD coming, you got Gary coming back too. Um, but this means it's probably going to be another another month. Um, I would honestly, at this point, I wouldn't even play him in the in the regular season, even if he, because he's not going to feel 100% healthy right away, and it's going to take him a little bit a little bit to get back. So um, I would just I, I would hold off now that we we got McCutcheon. But if he's 100%, he's swinging the bat, he does his rehab stuff, then bring him back whenever you can. But it may not be worth it if we are you know pushing him or risking it or anything like that. Yeah, I, mean, I think you want to give him like a week or two, um, and maybe you want to get him back in time for like that that Red Sox series at the end, if if by chance it's close enough that you could sweep the Red Sox and maybe win or tie the division. Um, but yeah, I think I'm with you. I think this this is a sign that he's not coming back soon, and you know maybe it's an insurance policy against him not coming back at all. Excuse me. I think that. Um, I think that. The problem with the wrist injury is you can't hide a wrist injury at DH. It's not like he injured his shoulder and you could bring Aaron Judge back and be like, look, you're not going to play the outfield, but, you know, you can you can still bat and like hit the crap out of the ball and just, you know, just don't throw a ball anywhere. He can't do that. Like, it's a wrist injury. Swinging is the problem. Aaron Judge needs to be able to swing a bat at 100% in order to bring him back. In- wrist injuries can linger, right? They can sap power, all not good things. Um, I do think that's definitely a sign that the Yankees are pessimistic about Judge or at least think that there's some risk there. But let's back up for a second. So in the meantime, I think we understand that Andrew McCutcheon will share the DH slash corner outfield spots with Brett Gardner, Aaron Judge, uh, and Giancarlo Stanton. So let's say that Aaron Judge comes back. He's healthy. He's ready to play play the outfield all the time. What role do you think Andrew McCutcheon has in this the playoff team? Um, I think that he, the other thing is when Judge comes back, I think it's time to give some of your other guys a rest. So Giancarlo, I think he's been playing 80 straight games or something like that. So you want to give him a couple days off. Brett Gardner has also been struggling. So you want to give him some days off. I think that even in the postseason, um, Gardner just, I think it shows that he's getting older and playing a lot of games back to back and, you know, um, just isn't helping him. So maybe giving him some rest. And uh, dispelling him, you know, once or twice a week might be the move, and getting McCutcheon back in there. So I think he he'll have a role to play, and I think you know he'll be the fourth outfielder, or maybe even the third outfield outfielder, See, depending how he gets the postseason. 
I mean, that's what I'm thinking about here. I think that Brett Gardner is, although clearly superior defensively to to uh, uh, to McCutcheon, and actually has a higher war number this year, he looks pretty beat up right now. And I think that you'd strictly platoon the two of them in the postseason where Brett Gardner doesn't see any at-bats against lefties the entire time. And Andrew McCutcheon will see some at-bats against righties, but he's historically for his career been a much stronger hitter against left-handed pitching. Um, and so, um, uh, and so uh, you know, th- I think that that is – that's a good sign. I got some numbers right here that Scott put together um, – uh, Scott put together uh, for for McCutcheon. So McCutcheon this year has an 812 OPS against left-handed pitching and is 751 against right-handed pitching. Last year had a 1.131 OPS, so an OPS well over a thousand against left-handed pitching and only seven uh, 769 against right-handed pitching. Just a huge platoon differential. Um, and for his career, he's got a pretty pretty big differential. So I, I think that's what you do. I think you also start thinking about using things like pinch hitters. I think you start thinking about Clint Frazier also taking some of this role, not just giving players a rest, like you said, but also maybe taking some of these at-bats. I think it's almost time to stick a fork in Brett Gardner. And Andrew McCutcheon just kind of seems like a much better version of that aging outfielder who's kind of, you know, on his last legs. I mean, I definitely see your argument for that. And the problem is, Brett Gardner is my favorite player, so I'm going to be, <laughs> you know, I'm going to be blinded by that. And he had a great night tonight. I mean, it was his bobblehead night, got a home run. So I still think there's a little bit left in the tank for him. I mean, next year is a whole different story. But I think that his experience in the postseason might might also carry something. And the kind of, you know, they talk about a locker room guy that might be him. But no, I think it makes sense to sit him against all lefties and get, you know, like if right with. And if you're talking about postseason, then hopefully Frazier's there with you and McCutcheon too. So that I think, I think you could definitely carry no him in postseason. Like yeah. I, I 100%. I just think you should rob some of his playing time. Like I, I think that I think we see this a lot with Brett Gardner that he breaks down in the second half. Mm-hmm. That he's kind of old. He plays a lot, and you know he plays kind of a hard game. And by you know August and and, and September, he's just beat up. He's in, in August. He's currently batting 198, 276, 315. Right. So he's just got nothing right now. And maybe if you give him a couple of days off, maybe if you start playing him every other day, maybe that comes back. Um, and I think that's definitely something worth um, yeah, me, I mean, worth monitoring. Yeah, best case scenario, you give him some days off, and then the days he he's back, he's you know he's better than you know the, the fifth game in a row or, or whatever. But worst case scenario, is you start giving some of his playing time away, and it just shows that he's still underperforming at this point, and maybe it's time to move on. I agree. I think the real—I mean, the real thing we should be like, I think, focusing on is that Shane Robinson is 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 not is playing. Per- He's gone. Right. Like, <laughs> like we don't have to like, worry like, about him. Like like Shane Robinson. Like Shane Robinson has been so bad and such a drain on the outfield while Judge has been out that you're you're getting a huge upgrade just by replacing that playing time. Like not touching anything with Brett Gardner, not touching anything with Giancarlo Stanton. Like just straight up saying Shane Robinson's 153 batting average is gone. It is never coming back. And we get, um, you know, we we get an above average uh, player, uh, hitter who can play okay defense to take his place. I think that's just a really big deal. Um, have they announced the corresponding roster move? Like, are they DFAing Shane Robinson? I'm not sure. I haven't seen anything. Yeah, he, uh, he played tonight, so um, I don't know anything about that. He was yeah, a I, he I, was a defensive replacement, but 
Um, okay, yeah. So um, that's you know that that's something to keep an eye on. It, you know, whatever. If he can play good enough defense, whatever. Keep him on for the forty-man roster expansion. But um, I wouldn't be shocked to see him kind of kind of go or be the guy that uh, gets DFA for Justice Sheffield. Um, that would also be nice. Uh, it's just some other um, some uh, some other thoughts, kind of kind kind of going into this. the Yankees. They uh, they seem to be struggling a little bit up against the White Sox and Tigers. What what's up with this? Um, yeah, I mean, hard to say. I, I think originally the excuse is like you had a long weekend with the Orioles. You had four games in three days. Um, now they're talking about maybe playing down to competition, but I mean, I think it's kind of just also you kind of see that the players that were missing, you know, we weathered the storm pretty good, honestly. Like, we have three of our top five players down, and it, the fact that we can still be above 500, I don't think we take it – I think we take it for granted because, I mean, we're just the division we're in and the expectations we have. But uh, I think it's starting to maybe wear on us. Yeah, I think that the, the bullpens have been a little bit beat that's up. That's true, right? too. The, the, yeah, I didn't even mention the bullpen, but that's – I mean, Patances had a, had a real tough night yesterday. Oh, yeah. Um, it looked like he was bleeding off the finger, too, which has been a reoccurring problem, which I don't like. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a good point, too. Not even just our – Chapman hurts in the bullpen as well. So not as many injuries in the bullpen, but they're certainly wearing thin as well. I mean, yeah, we're talking about we've seen a lot of Austin Roman at-bats. He's been okay, but not great. We've seen a lot, especially not great since, like, May 1st. And we've seen a lot of uh, Kyle Higashioka at bats, right? We've already talked about you know, about you know Neil Walker. We've talked about Ronald Torres. Uh, you know, it, it seems to me like this team just you know got a little bit lucky for a couple of weeks when everybody was injured, and was able to win a bunch of games. Some of them against pretty poor competition, and just in time for the stretch run, you're going to get kind of your full team back. I think that's the priority right now. Get the full team back, get them healthy, give everybody some rest, and, you know, win a wild card game. Um, last but not least, there was a debate on um, River Out Blues uh, today that I think was interesting, or I forget where it was. Maybe it was on Twitter. And it was basically Gleyber Torres, should he just stick at shortstop? And I've been impressed as hell with Torres at shortstop, and I don't think it's a coincidence that he started hitting again, like hitting like a monster again. Um after Didi Gregorius was injured and he was moved to shortstop. Do you think there's something to that? Do you think that Gleyber Torres has been a good defensive shortstop and, and, and that's something that we can expect to continue or, or that we would expect to continue versus him moving back to second base? Um, the quick answer is yes, I like him at shortstop. Um, like the eye test, like he's got, he's got good mobility, he's got sharp throws, he looks comfortable there. But he also leads the team in errors. So although he is... Like I can see the future of his, de- uh, you know, his defense, and it looks good. And you know, he's not 100% polished there yet. So I'm not sure if I would stick him at shortstop for forever, because I think Didi is really one of the best shortstops in the league. Um, but I think I think that is an interesting debate. But honestly, I'd leave him at second, and I I could see him playing shortstop in the future if that's what we need. But uh, I don't think his defense is quite as good as everybody's saying. Um, and so leaving him at second, I think, is fine. But the thing about the hitting and, and the corresponding to him playing shortstop, I think, is actually the better argument here. All right. Uh, that's about all we've got. We're going to enjoy watching Andrew McCutcheon. I just want to say something about Andrew McCutcheon. We've been talking about him like a robot, like he's you know just talking about his stat lines and how good he is. He's a really fun player to watch. 
He's a great. He's like a great person. He's he's like the like the exemplar of the athlete that you want to root for, and I'm just really happy he's a Yankee. I mean, as I'm I'm definitely happy, and I think based on what we've been talking about him dispelling Gardner and and uh, you know and others, kind of over shows you how much we're excited to see him rather than just being better than Shane Robinson. I think we got higher expectations for him, and I think we should. And uh, yeah, definitely going to be excited to see him here on out. Devin, thank you for joining me. Scott, somewhere out there in the world, thank you very much for joining me. Everybody, thank you for listening. We'll be back on Tuesday to discuss our normal stuff, to discuss Gary Sanchez, all the people who are called up for September, all that fun stuff. This has been your Bronx Beat Podcast. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.